In this episode of The Mastering Mindset, I got a chance to interview Michael Perry. He is the CEO and founder of Kit, Keep in Touch. It's a virtual assistant CRM tool. And uh, he he created this thing. I remember speaking with him when he wrote the idea down on a napkin. Uh, we, we were having lunch at a place in Oakland, and he had this idea. And at this time, he didn't know a lick of coding, uh, but he taught himself. He was uh, He's a self-made millionaire, and uh, his company, this CRM virtual assistant tool, got acquired by Shopify. And he became one of the youngest executives um, at Shopify, and he grew this company into what it is today. So uh, we go into a dialogue around leadership lessons, but more importantly, we we talk a lot about life. And uh, Mike challenges me in this concept of time and how limited our time is and how his uh, perspective shift ever since he became a father and the quality more than the quantity of time uh, was more of a focus that he has shifted his entire life around. And uh, he recently left Shopify to start a, a new venture, which I'm really excited for. But in this conversation, we, re- we really go deep on fatherhood, parenting, and um, the meaning of life. So it's a very philosophical dialogue that Mike and I get into. Uh, but I, I really hope it speaks to you as much as it speaks to me, and it has spoken to me. So he challenges me on my mindset um, in terms of sometimes I get caught up in the the list of to-dos that I have to accomplish uh, throughout the day, but rather um, this Tuesdays with Maury, um, you know, you don't really get to live your life until you learn how to die, and this concept that Mike lives by. Uh, I think is really valuable to to all of us, no matter what type of leader we are in our field. So I hope you enjoy this episode. And uh, as we as we kind of come off the heels of Father's Day, I wish all the parents out there, fathers, mothers, parents, grandparents, um, really to lean into this this aspect of time and how limited it is um, that we have. So. Uh, All the best to you, and enjoy this episode with Michael Perry. This is the the one and only true MP right here. Uh, I don't know about that. (laughs) You even have a TM. Good morning, man, Michael. I'm. uh, I before I even begin, I need to tell you congratulations on being a father. I know it's Father Day's, you know, Father's Day weekend. One of yeah. the biggest accomplishments that anyone in life can actually ever have, more than anything else. So, congrats to you and Alex for uh, this huge milestone, man. It's amazing. Yeah, thank, thank you so much, and uh, happy Father's Day to you as well. And yeah. uh, I think you've spoken no truer words. I I don't think that there's anything greater than being a dad, and I feel very lucky that I get to be one. I take that yeah. job super serious. Yeah. How, how old is Leander now? Leander is approaching 14 months. So he's about okay. 13 and a half months old. Yeah. So okay. we're, we're in some exciting times. He's, you know, walking, running, jumping, climbing, throwing books. You know, he's, he's 
finding his own way in this world at this point. We're just trying yeah. to do our best to nurture him. And he's just, uh, yeah, he's like the, the greatest joy of my life. Oh, man. So before even going into your story and to uh, talking about you, I, what has Leander taught you? Like what, what comes to mind first and foremost when you think about becoming a dad? Oh, we're start, we're starting with the heavy questions early. Yeah. Oh, we're going, we're going, you, you know me, we're going straight. You're going deep right off the I'm bat. <laughs> Dr. Park. Yes. You know, I think that you're, you're a father. And so I don't, I don't need to preach this. I think your children have an amazing way of exposing the true version of yourself. And they have an amazing way of um, rebalancing you and recentering you in your place in the universe. I think for sure you know, one thing that my son, I mean, I can easily say curiosity. I can easily say all these things of just watching in awe of how his little mind is processing and everything. The simplest things of life feel the most beautiful to him. And me just taking a step back and saying, you know, how, how can I refine my joy and purpose in these basic things? But I, to be honest with you, I think the number one thing my son has, um, are two things I think really stand out. One is kindness and just wanting to live my life from a much kinder place and be more empathetic. And I now, almost regardless of the age of who I'm speaking to, I, I remind myself that whoever I'm talking to is someone else's child. And to try to carry myself in a manner and, and lead it from a place of how would I want someone else to respect, talk, and love my son as he becomes an adult. Um, and I think that that's been an incredibly valuable thing for me of just trying to be a kinder human being. Cause I hope that he equally, um, lives his life through a lens of kindness. I think the second thing, and maybe I don't think it's more valuable, but maybe I'm more thankful for in some cases, it's just like being present hmm. and just like being in the moment and, uh, recognizing that, uh, as you've seen with your own child, um, they, they get big so fast. They change so fast. And every yeah. little thing that I'm experiencing with him is just a small, um, like taste. It's never a full meal because by the time I'm starting to really enjoy the stage of life that he's in, he's on to the next thing. Yeah. And so there's been a, like this interesting thing, um, of just like trying to reevaluate time and mm. trying to manipulate the clock by simply disconnecting from every other thing in my life, except for giving him my full focus. Um, so I think that those two things are, I think, relatively big lessons that I think have changed how I position myself on this planet. Yeah. So two things that I heard from you just now, Leander, teaching you the art of kindness. So I think before uh, there's definitely a delineation be- between before life, before your child and then yeah. life after your child. And yeah. so life after Leander came into the picture teaching you kindness about seeing other people in the world as someone's child. And so yes. uh, the act of love, the act of kindness and, and way, the ways you treat people. And then secondly, presence. I mean, that's, yeah. that is the art of any type of high performer, any yeah. type of uh, becoming, you know, the best person we can become is, is learning how to be more present uh, with what's in front of us. Right. Yeah. I think it's just, I think we would all um, 
be significantly better humans if we recognize the need for kindness and we also recognize the fact that we're just living on borrowed time. Like mm. whatever we're doing is getting returned back at the end of the day. Um, nothing is permanent. Nothing is owned. Everything is borrowed. And um, it just makes you appreciate things through such a different place when you just know it's not actually yours. You're just the custodian of it. You're just the the bearer of it, the holder of it until that thing or opportunity or person is um, passed on to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so have you, have you always had that mentality of this borrowed time or is it something really that came after fatherhood? I think fatherhood has given me a tremendous amount of time to pause and reevaluate how I've been living my life. And I think that humans as a whole typically can be so possessive of ownership um, that it alters how they like move through life. And it's just incredibly unfortunate. I, like I look at everything now from this state of that I'm an owner of nothing except for my attitude. Mm. Um, I don't like any physical possessions I have, um, any job title I have, anything that I have, um, I'm very well aware is not coming with me when life is over. And so by that state, it's borrowed and someone else will even, I tell my wife all the time, this house that we live in is simply borrowed because Mm -hmm. when we die, someone else is going to inherit it and they're going to do with it as they see fit. And so I think that there's something very powerful in releasing um, like ownership of almost all things, except for basically two, like your own attitude and the lenses of which you see life and how you value time um, and understanding that it's going to be finite and that you will move forward to something else at some point in life. And you just value those things that you have borrowed in such a different way when you know that you don't actually own them. Yeah. I, I, what you're saying is like a philosophical mind shift. When, when, yeah. when you talk about borrowed time and how you're the owner of nothing but your attitude. Yeah. And I'm imagining myself walking in through life uh, in this manner. If, yes. if I own nothing, <clears throat> if I possess nothing, yes. uh, how would I live my life differently? Right. And I well, think we would be a lot more appreciative. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I was going to get to is that when you recognize that you own nothing, you're grateful for what's borrowed. Yeah. You feel far less entitled. And more importantly, you double down your energy on what you do own. Yeah. Right. You're like, wait, no one can take my attitude from me. Like they can, this, this shirt that I am owning eventually I'm not, I'm going to dispose of it, get rid of it. You know, it's, it's so temporary, the ownership of it, that it's simply just a borrowed garment that I've exchanged for cash. Everything that I own, I, it's just borrowed. It's leased to to me. I I just take this lens that there's only really my attitude and the the way that I use my time are the only things that I fully own. And being invested in those two places, a hundred percent allows me to, I think, have a more purposeful relationship with the people around me, be more dedicated to my son and value that. Because again, one of my ownerships is time. So now, so now, uh, which is, I guess in theory equally borrowed, but I, I have to be mindful of how I'm using that clock. Mm. I have to be mindful about how I show up when I'm using that clock with who is around me and what my attitude is going to be. Am I present or am I distracted? If I'm distracted, why am I even there? Mm. And so um, I've just like very much centered my life around these things of like focusing on what's in my control and focusing on what I own, um, which is very finite, very few things. Yeah. Um, and giving, caring less to the things that I know are just borrowed. 
just mm. borrowed while I'm walking on this planet and they'll be returned back to somebody else. Okay. So Leandro teaching you these important values of being present and kindness. Has yeah. that influenced the way you do business? Yes. hundred percent. Okay. How, how so? Well, I, I think that one thing I've always been relatively proud of is um, I think coming from a place of empathy when I do business. And I, I, I think, um, I shouldn't say I think, I know that empathy has always been in the forefront of who I serve, who I've been a servant to as, as I give my life to a particular body of work. Um, where I come from as I make product decisions, design decisions, marketing decisions, partnerships decisions – um, it's always been through this empathetic lens that we need to do better for the people we're serving. Mm. And I think that oftentimes that came at the expense of me running through walls and sometimes being a, a bit ruthless on how I conducted business because I never took in consideration the people in the circle that I was trying to accomplish this mission with as much as I, I was so mission oriented and mission driven to helping uh, a certain people or a cause yeah. It, it came at any cost necessary. Yeah. And I, I can say looking back as someone who, you know, I think I've gone through various stages of my career and, and growth, there've been highs and there's certainly been lows, but the lows is where I generally, I showed up with the right intent, but I didn't behave in the right way. And what was oftentimes missing from those places was kindness. Okay. Um, and I just want to be a kinder human moving forward. Wait, I, I want to repeat that again. You said you showed up with the right intent Yes. But then it was a little because I wasn't coming from a place of kindness. So like the intent in anything I do, the intent is right. Okay. In my, in my opinion, I could be wrong, but my, my intent is I'm trying to do what's in, in the case. Historically, if you look at the last 15 years of my life, the intent has always been to help small business owners. Uh That has been the forefront of my life. Um, at any means necessary, at any cost necessary, so I think that I showed up in meetings with the right intent. Let's help the common person that we're all showing up to work for. Let's help the common person we're all showing up to this meeting for. Let's help the common person we're showing up to this design review for. We all wanted the same output. Yeah. How I behaved in those meetings and how I led wasn't necessarily from the right position. Mm. It was oftentimes with brute force, mm. strong opinions, strongly held versus understanding that we all could have the same empathetic lead. We could all, we can all empathetically want to help the same intended person, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that I couldn't come from a place of empathetic kindness to the people who I was on that journey with. Okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, my lack of sympathy for, for the people around me sometimes, I think um, is a growth area for me as a young man, as I hope to champion another business for the next 20 years of understanding we're all humans on this planet behind closed doors. We all face our own challenging things and to be on a mission driven, uh, path together, we need to be able to link arms, not just walk together, but link arms together. And you can only do that when you're coming from a place of kindness, because it's not about you and your journey. It's about all of us on our journey and whatever's going on in that person's personal life, whatever's going on outside of that meeting, you equally have to care about. Yeah, absolutely. So I think you're making a distinction between intention, showing up with the right intent and behaviors in meetings and showing up with kindness. And and it's an act. It's a behavior that you show up with and and do and choose to do. And, and I'm, I'm curious, Mike, if you think about your past lows and, and 
uh, I mean, we don't have to go there, but I'm really curious. We can go there. I'm, okay. I'm, all, I, okay. my, my, I, I'm an open book to you, Matt Parker. <laughs> you've been a, you've been a very good and kind friend to me over the last 20 years. And I think you could probably ask me any question outside of what am I doing next? And I'd answer it honestly. Yeah. Awesome. I, I, I want to talk about some lows because I think okay. we all learn from our lows. We do. Um, when you have every intention of wanting to show up into a business meeting or mm-hmm. a relationship mm-hmm. uh, with that kindness or that intent of compassion mm-hmm. and empathy, mm-hmm. but then your behaviors uh, get the best of you. Mm-hmm. Where, like, how do you get lost? Like, what what can potentially happen to someone getting lost uh, to the original intent of what they started with? Like, where where does somebody potentially get off path um, because I think this is this is for everybody because I, I work a lot with um, people who've risen to the top of their performance you know mm-hmm. professional athletes uh, a lot of executives and they rise to the top and sometimes along the way when they reach the pinnacle of their career mm-hmm. they kind of lose themselves mm-hmm. and it's about the art of finding themselves again but but in the beginning of that path, when you start to veer off to the wrong direction or a different direction, that wasn't the intention. Like what can draw somebody towards the, the wrong path? Well, I think that that's a personal question that's different for every individual, right? So I can't speak to how every single person get off the beaded path for, for me personally in reflection. Um, you know, I, I think that there's two very or three very tough things that happened all in parallel that I think netted out to me at times, not showing up as the best version of myself. Right. I sold the company at 29 um, and joined a rocket ship company at the time. It was 1200 people. By the end of the first year, it was 2,400 people. By the end of year two, it was 4,000 people. By the end of year three, it was 6,000 people. And now it's over 7,000 people. And um, so I, I left an 11-person company to become a top 20 executive in a 7,000-person company. And I think that there was like a genuine sense of immaturity of stepping into that role when you have people who are 20 years more seasoned than I am uh, either reporting to me or needing to take order from me or follow my strategic lead or whatever the case may be. So I think if you look at that in one pillar of, you know, I had to grow up 30 years in three years. And um, wow that in itself is an insanely difficult thing to do. And it required a tremendous amount of executive coaching. It required a lot of um, uh, self-reflection. It required some very difficult dialogues with myself. Um, But that matched with a lot of success in launching great products, helping merchants, public speaking. And so I think that there was this very bad, perfect storm that mixed with all these insane levels of expectation that came with my new role uh, and out and, and expected and de- desired output uh, on top of, um, I think, uh, I would say a pretty generous consistency of successful product launches. And so mm-hmm. I think at one point what happened was that there was a chasm that crossed that I became arrogant. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think the arrogant was intentional. I think the arrogant came from a place where I felt that, hey, I've launched five, six, seven, eight, nine things in a row at Shopify. It's being used by at sometimes six, seven hundred thousand people per day. Um, I felt very strong about my product decision ability. I put together some very large partnerships for Shopify. I did a lot for the company. And so I became equally from a place where my, my opinion felt like the strong, it should be the strongest opinion. 
Yeah. And closing your ears is also closing your heart, right? Like mm -hmm. when you stop listening to the other voices in the room, you can no longer come from a place of kindness. Mm -hmm. And so I think what I needed to do to get back on path was refine myself and recommit to becoming a, a better person and commit to becoming a better student and understand that just um, success should not be the dictator of the, the next decision. Success has given you a chance to be in the room with a bunch of decision makers, but it doesn't mean that you should be able to have the final say every single time. Mm -hmm. And I think when I had to separate the past from the future of saying that what happened before does not mean it's going to happen again, it brought me back to a place of curiosity. I mean, it brought me back to a place of as being a student. It brought me back to a place of um, wanting to prove to myself time and time and time again that I can grow, I can learn, I can get better, I can build better products. And I recognized that my past was not going to be the dictator of my future. It was just going to be an opportunity to, to get better in the future. And that, that separation of saying um, being successful previously does not mean that you're going to be successful again. It's just giving you another at bat. And that mind shift of recognizing that I'm going to have more attempts versus that these are going to be guarantees, um, I think brought me back to a place of gratitude. And I think gratitude is the ultimate fuel for kindness. I think being super grateful and super aware that you're lucky and being in this position is good fortune and being in this country in a lot of ways, even amongst all the craziness is good fortune and being yeah. growing up in this generation is good fortune and getting to witness change is good fortune. And just coming from a place of gratitude for the now and being present, um, I think helped me get back on the beaded path. Wow. Oh man. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to digest a lot of what you said. Uh, one of the, one of the things that sticks out to me the most is, um, when I'm working with performers too, uh, and, and they're in the intensity of the competition and they have to deliver on their performance in that yep. moment, the, the thing that I often say is you can only focus on one thing at a time. Yep. You can only be in one state uh, at a time. So when, when you're grateful, you're not fearful, right? right? So when you are really focusing it on being grateful, the worries, the stress, the fears, often it's like a seesaw, you know, but, but that's only when you're committed to being present. Yeah. You gotta be present, right? You gotta be present. And, the, and, the, and that was huge for me because I stopped focusing so much on the past that everything had been working and I stopped assuming that everything was going to be great. And I just doubled down on being in the moment. And when you're in the moment, so much more opens up, so much more opens up and, and, and life is just exponentially better when you just allow yourself to be present with the good people around you. How do you get yourself in the moment though? How do you stay present and remind yourself to stay present? Because I respect time. Mm -hmm. I also don't know, like uh, back to the whole conversation of what's owned and what's borrowed. My time and how I use it is owned. The allocation is borrowed. I don't know when my last day here is. Fuck tomorrow. It's not guaranteed to me. I could die tonight. Like I just assume that today will be my last day and I have to give it a hundred percent today. Mm -hmm. I just, I just know that there's one thing that's completely out of my control and that's when the clock runs out. Mm. Wow. Right. And so I think that people abuse time in the saddest of ways. Mm. I'm someone who deeply believes that everything can change tomorrow for positive or for negative. You know, if you just commit to it, everything can change. But part of it is recognizing that we are on finite borrowed time. Mm. Like part of it is recognizing that the clock will run out. 
you know, the years are going to go by, the days are going to end. And it's just like, I just really genuinely believe that I'm prepared at any moment um, that my ticket could be called. I, I hope that it's not for decades and for, I'm still a relatively young guy, even though I'm not yeah. aging so well. I just, I just totally respect the fact that today could be it. And this might be my last day with my son. So I'm all in on that. This might be the last time I get to talk to you. So right now I'm all in on that. Mm-hmm. This might be the last idea I work on. So I'm fucking all in on that. This might. And I think just like that, that forces you to recognize that there may no be future chats or future times. And so enjoy it right now. It's just the most, I think it's the greatest gift of all for any one individual human to enjoy the today. Mm. Just enjoy it. Wow. I mean, do you feel that way? I struggle. I struggle with that, Mike. Uh, honestly, I, um, I know because of my belief and because of my faith, I, I know that that's true, that the talents and the gifts that I've been given, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a borrower of that. Right. I don't, I don't, I don't own anything. And fundamentally I believe that, but what I often, uh, fall short of and often forget is when I'm in the midst of stress and struggle and worry, uh, I get caught up in the world of all the things that uh, I have not done yet and all the things that I need to do. And my life is filled with to-do lists. I get, I get carried away with that. And so my so friend, me, my brother, my brother, you and I both know one thing is true, regardless if you're a man of God and I'm a man of the universe. When we're on our deathbeds, I guarantee you won't think of one fucking thing on that to-do list. <laughs> I guarantee you, you're right. And you're going to think about your child and your wife yeah. and, and hopefully, you know, grandchildren or whatever the case may be. I won't be thinking about the companies I built, the companies I failed. Sadly, I probably won't even be thinking of the hundreds of thousands of people that use products that I built. I'm going to be thinking about my son. Yeah. That's the only thing I'm going to be thinking about is that this is my final moment with my son. Yeah. And so when you know, when you can play the tape all the way through to your final moments on this planet and you know, for a fact, you know, for a fact that your final moments are going to be filled with love and hopefully peace and some sadness that you're saying goodbye to some people that you that give you purpose on this planet, those to-do lists become useless. They're just things that help you execute on today, but they shouldn't be what weighs down your stress. Yeah. They shouldn't consume your mind. I have laundry list to do list too, but you know what? I just want to be with my son. Yeah. You know, so the, the list will get solved. Uh, I, I had a conversation recently with Graham Betchard. <clears throat> he's a, uh, he's a mental performance coach, uh, works a lot with NBA players and, and he has this philosophy called walk to win. And, mm-hmm. and he, sh- he was sharing me about this exact same thing that you're talking about, how it's not about the destination. You're winning with, by slowing down, right? We, we need to slow down with our lives. We need to slow down and, and walk to win. So it's all about the journey. It's it all is. about the things that we encounter in this pursuit of uh, the process of, of walking. And I had a, a, what I call a lady, ladybug moment where I was with my daughter, I was in between meetings and this was during the whole coronavirus thing that we're still in. And I was getting to my next meeting and I needed to feed my daughter before uh, I had this next meeting and we're outside walking the dogs. And, and I was consumed with my, my, my head with the the laundry list of things I needed to get done. And I wasn't present with my daughter and my daughter in that split moment looked at a bush and she pointed to a ladybug and she goes, daddy, 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 look, 
And it was like the most magical moment that she had because she was so present. And yes. she was saying, look, it's a, it's a ladybug. Yes. And in my head, I was thinking, we don't have time for this, Amelia. It's like, hurry yes. up. Come on. We got to get to the next thing. Yes. And, and in that split moment, I had to make a decision. Am I going to get down on my knees and get to her level and just enjoy this moment? Or do I just continue to push forward to the next? And I made a decision in that moment. I don't do it often, but I decided to pause and get down on my knees. And I looked and I'd never seen the colors that, that just, it, it just, it was vibrant. This ladybug yeah. was just so magical. And, and I shared this moment with my daughter. It was not, not more than 10 seconds, but it was, it was meaningful. And that 10 seconds changed my perspective for that yeah. whole day. It was crazy. I mean, the world's beautiful, man. Like the problem is we're just not enjoying it. Like your daughter is everything. I, I just think that like, not to derail at all, but um, I remember when I started Kit and everything was like, get to the next thing. You know, it was like, ship this idea, get this higher, move into this office space, raise this money, get this higher, ship that product. And it was like, I never, no one said, hey, listen, like when this moment passes, you're not going to get to enjoy it again. Right. Because that was a very special time. I had no money, broke entrepreneur. Um, it was just me with a bunch of friends building something that we super cared about. We, you know, barely could afford to get beers after work. And even if we're going to start another company now, but that won't be able to be relived. That magic won't be able to be relived. That scrappy struggling, like doing it out of uh, just like that, that won't happen again. Being in a 200 square foot, uh, office space with six people or seven people. Eight, at one point we had 10 people and 200 square feet. That won't happen again. And I think that if I can unwind the clock and just go back to that young man, which was only five years ago, and just say, hey, listen, these are going to be some of the best moments of your life. Just slow down. Like all the goodness will come. But like this is good too. And I think that when you actually just start to recognize, like sometimes I'm playing sidewalk chalk with my son and I'm just crying because I'm like, these will be the best moments of my entire fucking life. hundred percent. Like watching my son draw lines on the ground and be happy and not know it. Like when I'm old, um, I know for a fact that right now is the best chapter of my life and I'm okay with that. But that means that I'm just going to like 110% give everything I can to every second to enjoying it you know? And I just think that the best advice you can give everyone and or anyone is just the most simplest of advice. It's just enjoy it. Yeah. Slow down. Breathe. <laughs> Tomorrow, this day is going to end. Are you enjoying today? Yeah. Are you enjoying that fucking ladybug? And I think yeah. that like people, we, Matt, I've been thinking a lot about this. I'm sorry. I'm taking over okay. your, your I, talk. I, I'm, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, this I've been thinking awesome. a lot about this. I've been thinking about this a lot. Like I've been thinking a lot about our purpose. Okay. Like deeply. Yeah. Like for years, books, speaking to gurus, all this shit. And I was looking up at these trees and as you know, we use trees for like everything, building houses, making paper, you know, fuck everything. Yeah. And I thought to myself, like, you know, there's two types of purpose. There's genuine intended purpose which is basically our connectivity to the ecosystem in world. 
And then there's man-made purpose. Hmm. And the problem with man-made purpose is, is that it distracts from the beauty of intended purpose. That's the problem is that the tree is actually like pretty simplistic. It's put on this earth to provide oxygen to all living things. It's put on this earth to provide shelter for wildlife. In some cases it bears fruit and it's put on this earth to keep us fed. That's it. That's it. And then we go and we destroy it um, for a million other reasons. What is your purpose? It's actually so simple. No one wants to address it because it's not fun. The purpose of all living things is to keep all things living. The purpose of you as a human is to keep humans living. That is it. And you are doing that and exercising that through two vehicles. One is you've been very fortunate by God, by the universe, by the spirits to give you a child, which until you have a reproductive issue, like my wife and I had, you truly genuinely realize that you need a lot of other things to help you have a baby. Like good luck. And the other purpose is like keeping people mentally there so that they can also exercise on their intended purpose. So your career, your purpose on this planet is to keep all of us moving forward. It's not the other bullshit. It's not the societal pressure. It's not the things that people want you to believe or the things that people question. And I just think that if people actually live their life with the intended purpose, not the man-made purpose, but the intended purpose of just simply keeping all things alive, pushing humans a little bit further along, life would be so much more enjoyable, Mm. right? Because we're not living by that blueprint. We're living by the man-made blueprint. Mm. And I just think that people have to come to grips with this reality. I actually think that the world breaks down between these two buckets now. Mm. What is the intended purpose of something? And what is the societal or man-made purpose of something? And I think when you can actually start separating those two things, it gives people such pause, gives people such comfort to realize that, I don't need to try to like look to the stars and figure it all out. It's just so much more simpler than everyone else is making it to be. Wow. I, uh, I can tell you've been thinking a lot about this because one, there are these moments in time where you and I, I know we haven't talked in a long time, but you and I have a conversation and I get chills all throughout my body. And I, and I remember the other conversation we had was at Luca's. And you started writing down your idea of kit on a piece of napkin that I still have, by the way. It's hold on to that. My, oh my oh, goodness! Hold on to that. <laughs> and, and and Michael Perry, you come up with these fundamental core beliefs that drive you, and mm-hmm. and you get almost positively obsessive over an idea. And I think what I'm hearing that's different from your past is you're going backwards rather than going forwards. If that mm-hmm. makes sense, you're going, I'm going internal. forwards by going backwards. Yes. 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 You're, you're, going, sense. you're going more internal and I now am. than, than external. Like yeah. giving was developed by you. You're, you're thinking about kit. You're thinking about just making your mark in the world. And remember how motivated you were to make your legacy come true. Like you were, you had so much grit, so much mm-hmm. passion, so much motivation but it was this outward focus. Yeah. And now you're, 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 you know, you're where you are. I, I can't even tell you how, um, how I've appreciated watching your journey and how you've grown. But then now that you're more rising to the peak of your career, you haven't even started yet, but then your focus is not there. It's, it's more internal and it's more, well, they're married. Okay. They're married. I, my focus is internal because I think that, 
you know, you and I, you may not remember this, but you and I went to a, a, um, a cafe. I do remember. Uh, Polk Street. Yeah. yeah. And I, I was really struggling. And I told you, I felt, I was thinking about this this morning when I was thinking about our conversation, just some of the special, special moments that you and I have had. And I don't know if you remember this, but I distinctively remember when we were walking back down, uh, I think Polk Street uh, or Grant Street. And I said, I just really feel like I have to do this to show the world that a normal guy can make it. Hmm. And I just felt very absolute about that. And I think that in a lot of ways, um, this the Instagram live, people do call my phone. <laughs> I should probably turn off my cell Is that there's something special about, um, so at this stage of my life, I've become very obsessed with quality, right? So like at the, at the early stages of my entrepreneurial career, I wanted to prove a point that a normal person can make it so that all normal people can make it, right? I'm not some computer science wizard. I'm not some genius. I, um, you know, I'm a normal guy. I'm a, I'm a straight shooter like anybody else, right? I put my jeans on. I wear a blue shirt. I drive my yeah. grandfather's pickup truck. I live up here on, uh, in Calistoga, like, I'm a normal guy. And I felt that it would be like so cool if the world just saw a normal guy build a great business. Yeah. Now where I'm at in my life and as I've had these inward conversations, um, because I'm re- I'm recognizing that my time is limited of how do I want, if my purpose is to raise my, my, my children um, and my other purpose is to help contribute to society, to push mankind forward, how do I want to focus on that second vehicle? Right. Because I feel very strongly, very good about my son. I feel that that is my my purpose as a human is to be there for my for my son. That is will always be priority one moving forward over being an entrepreneur over anything else. My son is my highest priority. The second piece of it is, is that I hate one fucking saying in life more than any other saying in life. And that is that life is not fair. Mm. I hate it. And the reason why I hate it is because that statement was made by man. And most of the reasons why life is not fair is man-made. And so I'm completely, completely obsessive about the idea. If man has made life unfair, then man can equally make life more fair. Mm -hmm. And I genuinely believe that part of the gift of being born in this period of time is that technology and software can be the equalizer for all, right? Technology and software can make life more fair. We haven't arrived at that point yet, but we're on the path of it. And there needs to be some people who parse out and compartmentalize the pieces of life that are typically challenging for 99% of the planet and have to be willing and committed to giving their life to making that better for everybody else. Mm -hmm. That is is my societal purpose, Mm -hmm. right? And so I think when you're, when we're looking at these things and you're saying like, Hey, you've been very inward facing and I am inward facing, I'm going back to my simple building blocks of like, be a kind human, uh, you know, focus on what you're focused on time, focus on being, uh, be present, you know, present, focus on these things. And I am, I'm deeply there, but I also believe that you have to have a divide and conquer, uh, commitment amongst a huge pool of people to say, you know what, I'm going to stand up and fight for the other 99%. And in my case, it's using my mind to build products to fight for the other 99%. And I am at this place. I just left my job at Shopify, which is the greatest company in the world on the singular conviction that I, at this stage of my life, 
in the in the love of my son and in in the in the place of where I wish the world could be to try to try to make it fucking easier to try to my ultimate final wish in life is to erode the statement that life is not fair the playing the starting line has to be the same for everyone the output may not be the same because there's x factors that some can't control not everyone's going to become a millionaire because not everyone wants to have the drive or make their time commitment in that way but the opportunity has to be there for everyone Everyone has to have the right opportunity to healthcare. Everyone has to have the opportunity to clean water. Everyone has, and I just believe that life has to be at the same opportunistic level for every human on this planet. And I believe technology is the vehicle of privilege that will allow us to do that. And I believe for whatever reason, um, I will be one of many, many, many participants of trying to champion that change. Mm. So it's a marriage between where I'm at in my life and where I align with my skills. They coexist. I, uh, what you're saying about life is not fair and why it just is a phrase that destroys you. Like you just want to destroy. I, I, no, mean, I am going to destroy it. You are going to destroy it. And you are no. destroying it right right now. I, um, I have like, I'm going to assume that I'm on borrowed time because I know I am, but I'm going to assume that I see 80. I'm using that number. So that means that I have in theory 50 years of committing my life to changing that statement. Yeah. And a lot can happen in 50 years. A lot can happen in five years. Look, That's look right. what happened in your life. Uh, That's right. If you think about your core philosophy, because we started this conversation with, we don't owe anything other than our attitude. Right? Correct. That's the only thing in life that we, we own, that we have control over, that we can influence and manifest. Correct. And when, with a statement like life is not fair, I think it fundamentally challenges that core belief of yours. That hmm. the only thing that I have in life that I, I possess is my attitude. And you're saying that life is not fair. That fundamentally conflicts with this core belief I have hmm. that we have control over our attitude. We and when we say life is not fair, that is literally telling ourselves that we don't have – that's I an see. attitude choice. You know. Well, I, I think that there's a tremendous amount of truth in what you're saying, and I like that you're challenging me in this way. I think maybe if I can take a step back. Um, life is hard for everyone, for everyone, no matter, so to, for, for many it's degrees harder, but life has its own separate challenges. And I think that to get back to our core purpose, which is spending time with our children and our families, there's things that we can do to remove some of the obstacles. Now, if you're born in Kenya with one arm, um, it's very fair to say, well, life's not fair. You know, you can't control that. But I do believe with health tech and a lot of initiatives, we can over time give this young man or young woman an arm to have some sort of normality in their life. So they can still show up with the right attitude um, and they can still be free of all the bullshit because they recognize that the only thing that they own is their attitude. They could you know, drift far away from the self-pity, drift far away from the woe is me, drift far away from that. And they can own the fact that life is still good because you're breathing and it's a one in 400, I think, billion chance of being born. Yeah. But why not also help push mankind forward by giving him a higher quality of life? You can equally make the same statement about people who have poor water quality, or you can make the same statement about people who have poor food quality, or you can make the statement about people who don't have access to basic needs in the 21st century, like search, connectivity, um, like these things 
that we may not necessarily need are are quickly becoming in the modern world a human right. Right? I think that my son should have a human right to healthy eating. I feel this way. I feel like in the 21st century, there's no reason we can't feed all of our kids good food. And so I invested in a company called Yummy, whose focus is feeding kids good food. I believe that we should not face human extinction and that we owe it to our children to take care of our planet. So I invested in a company called Drone Seed that's out there trying to plant the four trillion trees that we need on this planet. Uh, because if human labor, it was going to take 400 years to do so. And with... Um, drones and bots and AI, they can do it in less time. I believe these things, right? And so I think that for for us, we it's okay for us to live a purposeful and clean life and relinquish ourselves from the societal pressure of what's borrowed versus what's owned. But that doesn't mean that we need to back away from our efforts to improve the quality of human life. Mm -hmm. And so like I'm in a place right now where I don't need to own anything anymore because I have the two things that matter most to me. Well, one of them is just my family. It's just my wife and my son and my parents and you know the people around me. That is all I actually genuinely care about. And me trying to hit the maxima of quality and time that I can spend with them on this planet. Yeah. yeah. But I also feel from, I am sit, sitting in a place of privilege and it would be disrespectful to the gifts that have been given to me to not try to go out and improve the quality of life for many more people. Yes. Yes. Right. So yes. I, I don't know if I answer that correctly because I do think no, that you... I, 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 I think you nailed on something very important. I think you made a distinction between the phrase life is not fair versus life is hard. And you yes. made that very clear. Like life is hard. Life can be a bitch and it doesn't matter what that hard looks like. It can. And, and I think a lot of people struggle with that distinction and they ultimately say life is not fair, but what they may intend or what they mean is life is really hard. And it could be exactly the color of your skin. It could That's be it. the disability. That's exactly, right. That's exactly yeah. right. Those two things are almost interchangeable, hmm. right? It's like life is super fucking hard, but it's like too bad. So sad. Life is just not fair. Right. It's like they're peanut butter and jelly. And what I'm saying is that I think in the process of making life easier and increasing the quality of life for many, the statement that life is not fair slowly erodes away because again, Outside of the things that are outside of our control today, like being born with one limb, the technology has reached a place and will continue to reach a place where that we can, we should, we should be fighting very hard to make that accessible to everybody, not the 1%. I have seen life through both lenses, Matt Park, as you know. Yes. I have lived life as a poor man and I have now lived life as a rich man. And I know for a fact that life is far better of higher quality for the 1%. And I'm not okay with that. I'm fundamentally not okay with that because there's people who I love that still sit in the 99% bucket. And so I have roughly 45 years left on this planet, which means that I roughly have 45 years to try to make things right. Hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, Well, that's a man on on a mission, right? A man with purpose, Uh, back to the intended purpose of regenerating the living, right? So you're trying to feel going back to your intended purpose of why you're created. And these are the fundamental questions that you're wrestling with these days is why am I here? What's my purpose? Not man-made purpose, but the intended purpose of, of the simplified version of why am I here really with these gifts, with these opportunities that are surrounding me with the opportunity of being a father, of being a husband to Alex, of being the child to my, my parents. Why was I created with these special uh, genes and this makeup what am I supposed to do with it? Well, I didn't say special. You said special. I, I, I don't want to say. You are I special. I, I don't You're so special. 
I don't want to say that. I appreciate that I'm special to you and we're old friends. So you, you can get away with saying that. I think that, I think that, listen, there's a great book that I read about two years ago. Um, it's called the courage to be disliked. And um, the courage to be disliked is basically when you're willing to live your life from a place of authenticity. And it's about listening to that inner voice inside your heart. And the voice inside my heart is very committed to trying to do great things with the borrowed time that I have on this planet. Mm. That's it. And the great things in most cases will be to raise a great set of kids. Hopefully the universe gives me another one. I think that if my son does great things and lives a very purposeful and very happy life, I feel entirely full and entirely complete. If the universe gives me another son or another daughter and he or she is able to live life freely and uh, live a life of happiness and purpose, then as their father, I feel that I did my job. Um, But part of making sure that they can live a life of happiness and a life of purpose is to show on display to both of them that I'm committed to something that's far larger than myself. Hmm. It can't be about just us because us is us as a human race on this planet, not us as a family. Right. And I need my children as I would ask of you, of your daughter to think about the role that we play in society to make this place better for all people, because it goes back to what is our intended purpose? Our intended purpose is to keep all things living. There's only one of two ways of doing that. And that is either have children, raise children or contribute to society so that we can move mankind forward. Hmm. And so I do believe it, and it could be something simple. It doesn't have to be building software. It could be simply being a recruiter and putting people in those jobs to go and do X, Y, and Z. It could be being a line chef. It could be whatever it is. Our role of society is part of our intended purpose to move mankind forward, but the output is moving mankind forward. Yeah. Not the individual thing, the collective thing. Yeah. We are a networked ecosystem. We need to stop saying this is about me and we have to start coming together to saying this is about us humans. Our job is to keep us moving forward. Our job is to keep us as a united one. And so I'm doing everything I can, whether that's investing in companies I believe in that's helping us do that or uh, going out and building companies that hopefully accomplish that or raising children that will go and do that. That is the place of where my life is at today Mm -hmm. is that I'm coming from a place of what I believe is divine purpose. There is an organizational development phase or a phrase that we use. And, and you said something very powerful um, and it, it's called line of sight. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a powerful story of uh, President John F. Kennedy who came to NASA and was interviewing people, greeting people. And he ran across <clears throat> a janitor and the janitor was sweeping uh, the floors of the hallways. Mm-hmm. And John F. Kennedy say, hey, you know, sir, what's your name and, and what do you do here? And, and he stopped for a second. He said, I'm, I'm putting a man on the moon. That's right. And the line of sight is understanding your fundamental belief of your mission. Not That's right. just what you're doing, not the act of what you're doing. That's but right. really uh, back to the human race of, of uh, line of sight is, is getting connected to the mission. So, yeah. so what if our line of sight was let's make life fair for everyone? Let's make life, let's make life easier for fucking everyone. Let's stop the bullshit. Let's stop worrying about us individually. And what if we all collectively came together with all of our brain power, with all of our resources, with all of our willingness and stop saying I, but start saying us. 
Mm-hmm. Just imagine how much better the world. Imagine how much better your child's world would be if we taught people, not I, but us. Like, it, let, let, let me share something, a parable uh, of, of long spoons. I don't know if you've ever heard of the parable of the long spoons, Mike, but no. there was a, a man who walks into a dining area where there's, it's very, it, it's filled with food on this table. And, um, and it was, had every single food on the planet. And it was just like this plethora of menus of stuff. And they only had long spoons. And this man was trying to pick up the stuff and try to feed himself, but he couldn't reach his mouth because it was the spoons were too long. And then all of a sudden he started noticing around the people at the Mm. table, they were all skinny to their bare bones. They were all looking very grotesque and, Mm. and, um, and this was a picture of hell. And then this man goes into another room where it's the same dining table filled with food. And, and all of a sudden the people around were just celebrating. There were, they were happy. They were joyous. They were singing. And what he noticed differently was they were feeding each other mm. with the long spoons. Mm. And in a time like this, where we have a pandemic, a global crisis, and I think rather than trying to save our own butts and focusing on, on ourselves, we start to feed other people or yes. Metaphorically, we start to yes. focus on other people and yes. this parable of the long spoons, then we're feeding each other. We're taking care of each other. Yes. And, and I, and I heard this analogy of black lives matter and some people just didn't get it. Like they're saying all lives matter. Of course, fundamentally the assumption is all lives matter. Mm-hmm. But one individual shared with me, uh, she was a white elderly woman. She said, I, I got it. Someone explained it to me with an analogy of a burning house. A house in a community is burning. There's just one targeted house that's on fire. It's And then I'm a neighbor. It's not that my house is not important. Of course, right. my house is important. But this house is burning up. On fire, yeah. So this house matters right now. We need to give it attention. We need to call the police. We need to be able to get the fire trucks to address this yeah. one particular house. And I feel like for Black Lives Matter, that's what we're saying, really, is yeah. this, this race, this, this, in, this group of people, this community is, is hurting. Yes. We need to really focus our attention on that. Yes. And what you're saying is we live for the, this mission of yes. helping other people with yes. kindness and, and being present, that we're all on borrowed time. And that's I think great. that's huge, Mike. I think you're on to something where we all need to be enlightened by. And well, I, yeah, I, I just think life gets easier when we live that way. I just think that like we have, we have, we have unnecessarily complicated life. We humans. And so it is now our job to simplify it. That's the words that we say to each other, the time we spend on this, like everything collectively moving forward now has to be about bringing a higher bar of quality of life to more people and simplifying it by making it easier. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I think that, I think that if we actually dedicate to that collectively, um, it's a system wide change. It's not a, if this or that will happen change, it literally changes the system, which means more than one thing will improve simultaneously mm-hmm. without us even recognizing it. Everything else gets better. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's beautiful. I think the higher we go, the more we achieve, the more things we do, we realize 
um, oftentimes it's simplifying things for yes. for ourselves and for others is um, it's hard to do. It's not easy, you know. To simplify mm-hmm. is not easy. To take very complex concepts and philosophies and boil it down, like like life, for example, to simplify life. But I think you have a blueprint that I've heard. If I were to backtrack on our conversation, gratitude, understanding this attitude of borrowed time, uh, being present, uh, being kind. I think what you're doing is creating a simple blueprint for us on Mm. this breaking down life and helping us achieve uh, this kind of mission-oriented, community-oriented mindset. And I think that ultimately helps with people achieving, doing, and uh, creating the certain things that they want to create in life. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this and then I'll kind of summarize our conversation, but right. um, people who achieve, a, like there's this, when you unpack high performers, whatever you're doing in your, in your field, high performers have more focus on being than doing. And I think we get it backwards. I think we focus so heavily on doing, you know, I, I, I want to do this. I want to do that rather than being the person that I want to be being present. Right. And I think high performers focus intently on being and becoming. Then the doing kind of takes care of itself. That's it right. naturally comes as a byproduct of That's being right. the type of person we want. And I think we, as we're growing to become who we want to become, we always have this this uh, lie in our head saying like, Oh, I will become this. If I do this X, Y, and Z, I will have this. That's right. If I do this and this and this, but it's reverse for the people who are actually at the pinnacle of their careers. And, and the, and the problem being is that typically that if I do this, this will happen is designed by society. It's, it's, it's a, I've been led to believe that if I go and do X, Y, and Z, then A, B, C will happen. Mm. And so you're doing it from a place of false intent. You're not doing mm-hmm. it for the right reason, right? Um, yeah. You've worked with a lot of professional athletes. You yourself at one point was a very gifted professional athlete. Um, you know that there's a difference when you're doing it because you think that this is the reason you should be doing it versus yeah. a genuine, insanely passion-driven reason to be doing it. Yeah. Right? And yeah. so, I, I, and I think that in the scenario where you just mentioned where people said, hey, if I go do this, then this is going to happen. They always live a life of unhappiness. Mm. Because they're not actually doing because you will go and achieve that thing. But then when you get there, the goalposts have moved. Now you want something different. Now there's a different thing that you've chased. And so I think that oftentimes my advice have, has been to people is focus less on the title, focus less on the pay, focus less on these things and focus more on what you want the output to be. Yeah. Like, what do you want to look back on and say, this is how I move society forward by one step? Because that's wow. something that when you get on your deathbed and you're looking at your children, I never, ever, 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 the biggest regret I would ever have in life is if my son looked at me and said, why didn't you try a little harder? Wow. I left the world in a more fucked up place than I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I want him to yeah. know that not only did I give everything I could to raising him, but I gave everything I could to making it fair for everybody else. And I think that that's something that as a father and as a man and as a human, I can, I can live peacefully with. Hmm. Mike, how would you summarize our conversation today? If you were to think of one word uh, that comes to mind for you as we dialogue on, on so many different, and I'll do the same for me, but okay. if you were to summarize our talk, what's one thing that you would 
that stood out to you the most? Oops. I, that's how big our conversation has been. Just the gravity just pulled my phone right down. <laughs> you know, Matt, I think that I'm going to summarize this because it's not a reflection of this talk. Yeah. It's a reflection of all the talks that we've ever had. Cause I think that they are consistent. Hmm. I think it's curious. Hmm. I think both you and I like to have these kind of conversations because we are curious by nature and I think that the reality is that we could talk five years from now and this conversation will have evolved. The, the curiosity will always remain. I look back at every conversation that we've ever had and it's been filled with question marks. It's either me bringing my notebook to you. It's us having these spirited conversations. It's us exchanging philosophical thought. It's us exchanging viewpoints, but it's always from a place of curiosity. Yeah. So I would say, I would say that I would say that that would be the word. I, I love it. Um, mine is gratitude. I think being grateful, you're not fearful. And I think you have been grateful for your time, your, your position of being a father, uh, you, and, um, I, I, your, your life, basically the opportunities that have been given to you and, and you, you don't take it lightly, you know? And I think gratitude makes us humble. I think gratitude, uh, makes us stay pre more present with what's in front of us. Um, Instagram's going to kick us off in about a minute. So I, I just want to say, Mike, thank you. And and honestly, I, I was thinking about this this conversation and the and the real hero, the the person I want to thank, uh, is is Alex. Like, uh, man, she she has been she she's the MVP. Been, oh my goodness, she is the MVP. So she's the MVP. So please give her my love. I know I will. It's, it's it's your it's your weekend. I, I know you're making fun. No, no, no. It. I wouldn't be a father without her. I wouldn't be yeah, a father without her. So it, it's it is a celebration of fatherhood, but it's a it's. Fatherhood is a reflection of us. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for this time. Uh, oh, thank you. Know, you. A time is the most precious gift, as you so uh, articulately stated in this conversation. But uh, your time was very valuable to me. So thanks. Dr. Park, thank you for having me. Love you, brother. Love you, too. Take care. Bye, man. Cheers. All right, bud. Thanks for tuning in to the Mastering Mindset Podcast with Dr. Matt. Mastering Mindset is a training platform where we continue to train individuals and teams on how to master their thoughts, their emotions, and their behaviors in life so that they can ultimately master their performance. Stay tuned for more.